Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com. From St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. Most people say, so? Is that, you know, and that was amazing to me. And I got to the point where I'm like, I don't need to explain this anymore. We can be what I always wanted to be, was just a music organization. Um, we'll always remember our roots, but uh, we don't always have to have a disclaimer or an explanation behind it. I'm Sarah Fenske. Since 1997, Band Together has connected LGBTQ musicians and allies across St. Louis. What started with 10 musicians has grown to more than 100 volunteer members today. Our producer Jane Mather-Glass stopped by a rehearsal last Wednesday to talk with some members about the band's upcoming 25th anniversary concert. Band Together has performed in dozens of concerts, and they play at the St. Louis Pride Parade each year. Their shows are free to the public. They only humbly ask for donations by setting an open tuba case at the entrance to their shows. Now, Band Together celebrates its 25th anniversary on Saturday with a concert featuring the work of renowned composer John Williams. Both long-timers and new members make up the band. Jeff Gerard has been with the band for 24 years. He's now its co-artistic director. It's uh, amazing uh, that it's been going on this long. I had no idea, I really had no idea when I started up with this that I would still be doing this 25 years on. He says he's happy to help cultivate what artistic director Gary Reynolds set out to create in the mid-90s an environment that welcomes people of all identities and skill levels. Gary's vision when he first started the band was exactly that, to have it be open to anyone who wants to be able to participate and find a way to get them to enjoy the experience one way or another. Uh, so that's always been a driving force behind the band. Harold Bursler is another longtime member. He's been playing tuba in the band for 21 years and working as the set designer. He sees the band as a place of refuge, community, and friendship. It's, it's amazing being with the people. And uh, we just have a great time. Uh, I look forward to Wednesday nights because it's how I can stress relief uh, from the work week and everything. And you, you, know, you can show up with the worst headache in the world and play music for a couple hours with your friends, and it's gone. How, I mean, it's just, it's just a good environment. Music does that. Many of the band members hadn't picked up their instruments since high school or college, but they were drawn back into music through band together. Bursler is one of those people. In 2001, his friends convinced him to rediscover tuba playing. One of them said, well, why don't you join? And I said, well, I don't have a horn. If you find me a horn, I'll play. And she called me two weeks later and said, I found you a horn, so I had to show up. 
Tenor sax player Kimberly Matthew is one of the band's newer members. She says it's inspiring to be a part of the St. Louis institution. It's really, uh, really interesting uh, stepping into a group that has such a, a strong history in the area, um, especially a group that's so specialized for music and also geared towards members of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, that's a pretty specialized, nuanced group. So to have a group like that with such a strong history is, it was very comfortable knowing that it was such an established group. It was easy to step into the culture, um, start making friends, and really feel a part of the community. Matthew is also the group's athletic director. She directs the marching band and prepares them for the Pride Parade. This year will mark her first Pride Parade with Band Together. Having the opportunity for our ensemble to be a part of Pride, I think, is it's, it's an honor and a really awesome opportunity um, to be able to represent musicians, to be able to have an awesome creative outlet for members of the LGBTQ plus community. Mark Jackson has been in the band for 14 years. He says the group has evolved quite a bit during that time. We've all had a lot of ups and downs and uh, we share those all together and we support each other. Um, it was really tough during the COVID time when we didn't get together for uh, almost two years. It was really tough. but. Uh, uh, we're like a family, so coming together and we start from where we are again and make those connections. Band Together is a tight-knit community. When one of them goes through a tough time, their bandmates are there for them. Bursler has witnessed this firsthand. A couple years ago, I had a, a bad surgery and the family just came together and they were, they were all there. They were all there. Uh, it's just amazing. If anyone needs help with something, you know, everyone shows up to help. Uh, uh, one of our members, uh, his mom had a stroke, and so a bunch of us showed up to help build a ramp at the house. It's just that's the way the people are. Uh, everyone sticks together and helps out. Jackson agrees. I think that's, that's very unique. I think the aspect of us coming together and the, the length of time this band has been together, and it's grown over the years. Many bands fall apart or they dissolve into other smaller bands, but we've grown. Uh, the community, general community accepts us a lot. Bursler says something he values about the organization is that it's a place where members can unapologetically be themselves. In today's world, as much as we think we've gained all kinds of steps, we really haven't. And you can't just be yourself wherever you want to be. And here you can. And no one's going to hold, hold anything against you. No one's going to judge you here. As the band gets ready to celebrate its 25th anniversary, its members express gratitude for a shared love of music and a welcoming community. Kimberly Matthews says having this space is especially important today. Everyone needs a little joy and a little community spirit right now with everything in the world that's going on and how precarious everything is. So get out and support the people who are trying to bring some light into the world with, with music and enjoy yourself because that's, that's what we're all here for. And
That was Jane Mather Glass talking with members of Band Together. The local organization celebrates its 25th anniversary this weekend. And here with more on the Band Together story is Gary Reynolds. He is Band Together's artistic director and founder. Gary, welcome. Thank you, Sarah. I very much appreciate you giving us this opportunity to join your show. And we're also joined today by Jerry Ferris. He joined Band Together 23 years ago. He's a percussion section leader, a former president of the organization, and a current member. Uh, Jerry, welcome. Thank you for the invitation. So, Gary, take us back to 1997. What led you to say, you know what, I should start a band? Um, it's, it's, I think it's kind of an interesting story. Um, so I mentioned to Jane uh, before that most musicians, when you graduate school, whether it's high school or college, that's the end of your outlet for most people. You, you graduate, and on the shelf in your closet goes your instrument, and never to be seen again or it gets sold off. Um, and it doesn't have to be that way. And I, when I left school um, and lost that outlet, I looked for a other place to play. And so I joined a community band in Granite City that was being ran by um, my very first band director. He was looking for players, and and I joined it. And you know, it was 1995, perhaps. Mm -hmm. um, it was a different time. It was. <laughs> and um, I have often felt uncomfortable in the situation. Um, I was often known as the gay sax player uh, rather than Gary, mm -hmm. and it was it was kind of an, a unique situation. I never felt that way in high school. I never well, I, I don't know if, how I felt in high school, honestly. But once I get into college, and it just felt very different. And I thought, why why would that be? And um, so I was glad to be playing music, but I didn't feel like I could be myself. I didn't feel like I could talk about what I did that weekend or anything like that. It just didn't seem comfortable. And so. Um, one afternoon, I was uh, having lunch with one of my closest friends who actually ended up being a founder of the organization as well. And uh, we were talking about this, why would we not have such a situation where we could have an instrumental group, kind of like how we have the Gateway Men's Chorus, um, wondered if anything like that existed that we could join when we found out we there wasn't one. There was nothing. Right. So we could create one um, and not really knowing how, um, but we did some research and saw that these did exist in other cities along across the country. And so I decided to put an ad in the newspaper. Remember those? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I do. <laughs> um, and uh, said, Here's something I'm trying to do. We got it's. It was March of '97, and we set a goal of just trying to get some musicians that would like to get together and and rehearse to try to perform at that June's Pride Parade. So you kept it pretty low key. You weren't saying you've got to be a great musician. Just saying we're going to try to pull this off. I didn't know if anyone would answer. So it's like we can't have grand plans. We just have to keep it simple. And um, we had ten people show up. And uh, the thing that we didn't look into was like what we would get in terms of instrumentation. So I had mostly sax players and a trumpet and a clarinet, basically. So that doesn't sound like a full band at that point. Did you have to winnow out some of the saxes and then find no, some other instruments? No, you just had to, um, you're going to have to play a trumpet part and you're going to have to play, you know, so you just had to just adapt to what you had. And, um, and we made it work. Um, we didn't have a percussionist. Um, so my, um, my best friend from high school said, I'll do it. And it actually ended up being on his birthday. 
And um, so this ragtag group of people got on a hay wagon, and we had um, uh, an, one of our friends pull us with his SUV, and uh, and it, it happened. And you so did that performance. We did that performance. We had no idea what we are going to do after that, if we were going to do anything like that, if there would be any interest um, in, like, well, we did it. You know, congratulations, yeah. good. It was nice to meet all of you. Um, it just continued to snowball. And so then we did our next the next gig we did was a concert um, that December, um, and we ended up doing it at a PFLAG holiday dinner, which I thought was kind of uh, appropriate because I've always said, as musicians, your first audience is usually your parents. And so we found a group of parents that we could play for, and, uh, and it built from there. So at this point, this is taking off. Like, this is becoming a real band. Uh, Jerry, you got involved about two years after founding. How did you first meet Gary? Well, it was, uh, <laughs> it was Jeff Gerard, our assistant, uh, our, our co-director, who um, uh, I was the librarian for the Gateway Men's Chorus at that time. And uh, Jeff said some... Um, something about, you have to come to our band concert. I said, this, this is when we were known by our second name, which is what band? <laughs> <laughs> the, um, and he said, well, he told me all about it. And I said, well, um, I'll think about that. Well, the next week, uh, he, this time he got very insistent that I should come and uh, he knew I had been a musician, musician in college in all my life. And uh, I did. And I was really surprised that uh, I believe there were more people on the stage than in the audience. That was one of those concerts. And uh, they ran out of parents. <laughs> and um, I thought, you know, they're trying. They need help. So they probably really need me. They, d they didn't. They didn't. But but, they didn't. But you, they tricked you. They, they led you to believe they needed you. <laughs> That's right. And I've never had so much fun in my life, I don't think. So I, I've been there for a while having a lot of fun. And so when you got involved, did you come in like, okay, I'm going to help with this and maybe a little bit of, uh, hey, hey, we got that. A little bit of that, yeah. A little bit of that. So <laughs> there's actually a little bit more color to how Jerry joined the, the band. So he came to our concerts just to hear what it was like. And we were pretty thin in terms of percussion, uh, so thin that I was actually playing bass drum on one of the numbers, and I'm not a percussionist. You're a sax guy. You I'm picked a sax up guy. the I'm drumsticks. not very good at, at many things, but certainly not percussion. Um, yeah. And we were playing a piece that, Jeff, uh, that Jerry knew very well by Gustav Holtz. It was first suite for band, and it has a prominent bass drum, one note bass drum solo on it, and I had it. And during the performance, I completely missed it. And afterwards, Jerry came up to me and says, you know what, I'd like to join your band. I think you need some help. And by the way, there's no excuse for missing that solo. <laughs> so I said, you know what, that is the best mistake I've ever made in my life because it brought Jerry into the organization. <laughs> you, you were happy to turn over That's those right. drumsticks. <laughs> and so, Jerry, you're selling yourself a little bit short. They, they maybe did need a percussionist, and, and you were there with that. Yeah, that, um, and I was very happy that I that I was. It, I it, from that point on, that band seemed to me to grow every rehearsal cycle. Mm -hmm. uh, more and more people would show up. Uh, more and more saxophone players uh, and a few percussion players. Um, and um, I was in the back of my brain was this little voice saying, "This business model." 
does not work, that won't work, won't last. Well, that was 23 years ago. <laughs> it has lasted. <laughs> it has lasted. What about it made you skeptical, just sort of that it was that loosey-goosey? No, because the, uh, w- when the band needed uh, financial support, we, uh, it wasn't a tuba case at the time. It was a trumpet case, I believe. Uh, there were other, other things that we used. But, um, and I thought, well, you know, if you're just going to ask people for money, um, it may probably not be viable. That's a hard mode to make work, but that has continued to be your mode. It is. We haven't charged admission for our concerts. We never have. It was sort of the original uh, vision of if we're going to have an, a band where you don't have, to, we're not going to audition you. You don't have to be a great player. You don't have to have played in the last 30 years. If we're trying to make it accessible for everyone to join, we didn't want it to be have rules for our audience where now it's cost prohibitive. I'd like to go. It's too expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and plus, <laughs> I think we were very humble, and we still are in the very beginning. It's like, who's going to want to pay to hear this? Um, and and plus, the more you charge, the higher the expectation is. It's going to have to be great, so let's keep the expectations low. Um, so we, we've we never charged, and, um, and we're thankful for that because uh, we – we are, we're in the black, and we um, live within our limits, and we make it so that with our concerts, we say, hey, we've done this for so long. If you'd like to, us to keep doing it this way, if you know, feel free to drop in the tuba case what this night was worth it to you or for mm-hmm. you to keep us that way. And if you can't do it this time, that's okay. And um, we have a very generous community, and we're very thankful for that, and, uh, and we, it makes us want – well, it's not why we do it, um, but we do it for the community for sure. And that mm-hmm. there's just that support of we're here no matter what. And so that gives us the the urge to continue on. I love that there are really no barriers to entry. I do find myself wondering, has anybody ever tried to join where you're saying, you know what, we're happy to welcome another sax, but we need somebody who's a little better at the sax in order to make them part of this ensemble? No, we've never done that. You know, like I said, we don't audition anyone. The only criteria we have for people to join is you need to at least be 18. You need to be able to read music. And unless you're a percussionist, you need to have your own instrument. We don't keep our own inventory outside of percussion um, in terms of instruments that we have. Um, And there's been times, it's been a long time, but there's been times where people have joined and I thought, I'm not sure if this is going to work out, but I'm I'm not going to squelch their enthusiasm. Um, There was a time many, many seasons ago where someone uh, showed up with a, a trumpet did not know how to play the trumpet, said that they played by ear. And I thought, oh, this is we're gonna this is gonna move too fast if you're gonna try to pick it up by ear. But I said, you know what? Have fun with it, see how it goes. About two or three re- rehearsals and then said, you know what, this isn't for me. That's fine. Yeah. You you find your own path of what's gonna work for you and what's not and rather than us say maybe yeah. not. It can be a self-selecting group, and, and people understand whether th- their contribution makes sense. There's people that I met when they first came in. I thought, I don't know if this is going to be the group. for I'm thinking to myself, because sometimes we were kind of loosey-goosey in how we run our rehearsals, and I could tell this person was very structured and used, and I thought, I don't know. 
that person's going to celebrate their 20th anniversary this year. So everyone finds what they need to get from it. And I'm very thankful for that. People can surprise you. So Jerry, I'm curious, joining 23 years ago, um, what do you see as some of the biggest changes in those decades? Well, I think, uh, first of all, our audiences have grown to be surprisingly large. That's a wonderful change. It is a wonderful change. And anybody that has been uh, has experience with asking people for money, like NPR certainly experiences this. Sure. Um, sometimes it goes well and sometimes it doesn't. But the as Gary mentioned, our audiences are part of our little community. We like to think our, our family. And without them, we are not there. Although we'd figure out some way, I think, to keep doing it, just as they did in the, when they began. Um, and, and besides the fact that the group has grown in size, they've gotten better. Hmm. Uh, amazingly, you can do that if you practice. It's <laughs> astonishing. <laughs> and so are there a lot of practices? So we rehearse every Wednesday evening. Okay. Um, so um, it's... I try to run a fun ship, but a tight ship, because I look at it as Jeff and I have two hours this whole week, and we got to make the best of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do. And Jeff, uh, Jerry's absolutely correct that we have grown in musicianship year over year. Um, this concert that we have this Saturday is all John Williams music, and John Williams doesn't write easy music. I don't think he ever has. Um, but it is... John Williams is the reason why I got into music. That's why it's special to me. And um, so even in the very early years, I kept pulling out John Williams. He was like, let's do this one. And we were playing John Williams way before we had the ability to probably be doing so. But we have definitely gotten to a place where this is actually going to be our third John Williams concert that we've done in our existence. So we were calling it John Williams the Trilogy. And uh, it's, so we've definitely grown in musicianship. And I think we've also what's also changed is just overall acceptance. You know, having people that first in the early years that would join the organization were very, um, many were very hesitant, like, um, please don't put my name in the program. Mm -hmm. Um, When we're marching in the parade, put me in the middle. So so if the uh, TV cameras are there, I'm not going to be seen. Um, Things have changed quite a bit, not only just with the environment, but also our own acceptance of ourselves and said feeling like we can be uh, who we are and not have to be afraid. But it took a lot longer for the newer ones, uh, the original ones, to get to that point. Now we have people come in and, you know, they've been who they were since it seems like birth. And that's a fantastic thing for us to see how that's evolved over time. And, you know, we used to always have to talk about People would say they wanted to join, and I would felt like I had to explain. Well, make sh- just so you know, this is an LGBT, um, and it got to a point where most people say, "So is that?" You know, and that was amazing to me. And I got to a point where I'm like, I don't need to explain this anymore. Mm-hmm. And and it, we can be what I always wanted to be was just a music organization, 
Um, we'll always remember our roots, but uh, we don't always have to have a disclaimer or an explanation behind it. Yeah, the changes in society are also reflected in, in this wonderful band. 25 years. That anniversary is this weekend, uh, Saturday, at uh, Wash U 560 Music Center. That's happening at 8 p.m. It's free and open to the public. They will put out that tuba case. You can put your donation in if you support the work. BandTogetherSTL.com has all that information. Gary Reynolds, uh, Artistic Director. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. And Jerry Ferris, who's been a 23-year member, former president of the organization, and a current member, uh, thank you as well. Thank you. Delighted to be here. This episode was produced by Jane Mather Glass and edited by Emily Woodbury, with podcast design and audio engineering by Aaron Dorr. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.